week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Porno for Pyro's self-titled album. I, I thought that that was a gimmicky song. I didn't like it. I didn't like the video. Oh, for Pyro's, Porno for Pyro. There's just so much funk all over that. It's just like, dude, relax. It was like listening to Aliens. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, returning once again, Simonichi, and once again returning in the co-host seat, Mr. Jay Sun Ziak. Jay Sun, we are mere weeks. Well, when this comes out, we'll be in football season. So, what do you think? What do you think about the start of the season for your Cleveland Browns? You want to take a guess where you'll be emotionally at this point? I'll be... Oh, God. You've already lost your punter. Well, if you would have asked me about a week ago, I would have been pretty optimistic. I said, oh, I'm feeling good. But then the injury set in. We lost our, lost our starting left guard. And the reality of the Browns start to weigh on me. And then I start feeling less optimistic, so... I think I think we can beat the Bengals week one, but usually what happens with the Browns is the games that you think you can win, you lose, and the games you don't think you can win, you win. So um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna be feeling pretty good, but the odds are against me. I'll be bummed out. I think you're probably right. <laughs> I say that as a Bills fan who will be feeling the same <laughs> level of frustration and pain. Um. Speaking of frustration and pain, we're going to review Porno for Pyros. Mm. Well how's, that, how's that for a segue? Uh, Pretty good. Yeah. So we're reviewing this because the gentleman who is the lead singer of, Perry, of uh, Porno for Pyros is named Perry Farrell. I believe his name. He was in a band prior to this and then after called Jane's Addiction. And it just so happens that Jane's Addiction has a new album coming out. We're out, depending on when this out when this uh, episode comes out, and uh, we like to tie things in. We like to create a little synergy. We like to, um, you know, cross synergize when our releases come out with the releases of other bands. That we felt now is a good time to review Porno for Pyros, and I am going to give you the history of Porno for Pyros. History of Porno for Pyros formed in Los Angeles, California in 1992 following the breakup of Jane's Addiction. I'm not going to go into the history of Jane's Addiction. If you don't know, <laughs> I can't help. Uh, it featured... They broke up in 92? What was wrong with those idiots? Yeah. So it was Perry Farrell from Jane's as well as drummer Stephen Perkins. They recruited on guitar Peter DiStefano and bass Martin Lenoble. Later in on a bass for part of the second album, God's Good Urges, was Mike Watt of The Minutemen and Firehose and lots of awesome things. Obviously, Porno for Pyro's following Jane's Addiction was a big deal. The album had a lot of hype coming out, or a lot of hype before it came out. It ended up at number three upon its release on the Billboard 
top 200, but the reaction was mixed. It did, however, receive uh, significant airplay on MTV for the video Pets, for the song Pets. They played at Woodstock 94, and here's, here's a funny thing that I like. So Chevy had a restaurant chain called Fresh Mex. I don't remember this. Chevy? Yes. Called Chevy's Fresh Mex. Chevrolet? I, that's what it says on the Wikipedia page. Che- or Chevy Chase. Maybe it's Chevy's. Chevy's Fresh, Fresh Mex? Anyway, the point is, is that they licensed the song Pets for the chain as a, as a jingle. And instead of, we'll make great pets, they changed it to, we make fresh mechs. We'll make fresh <laughs> So, Harry Farrell is not um, above making money. Oh, no. Um, so At the, the end of the day, he, he is a businessman. He's a businessman. He's a capitalist. So, the album comes out... They record, they tour, and then in um, 1995, they're tracking for God's Good Urges, or Good God's Urges. Martin Lenoble quits. Mike Watt comes in, as I mentioned. They uh, tour some more, and by sometime in the late 90s, let's just say that. One came out in 93, which was the album we're reviewing, the self-titled Corner for Pyros, and then the second album came out in 96, and then... You know, in the late 90s, uh, Jane's Addiction got back together. They put out the compilation album, which had some bonus tracks on it and uh, new material. Um, there's a book called Horrors by Brendan Mullen, which is the history of Jane's Addiction and Porno Papyros. And he says in the book that a third Porno Papyros album has been written, but it's just never been recorded. In 2009... The original lineup of Farrell, Perkins, Stefano, and Martin Lenoble played at Perry Farrell's 50th birthday party. And in 2011, this past April, Perry Farrell wrote on his Twitter account, One day, more porno for Pyros. So there could be perhaps another album, perhaps some more shows. Who knows? Do you want to mention... That a personal favorite of yours and mine, Howard Stern, featured Corner for Pyros on the Private Parts soundtrack with the song Hard Charger. And that was a number 23 U.S. modern rock hit. Hmm. So. I vaguely remember that. He's, he's pretty good. I don't know if he's friends with Perry Farrell, but he's been on the show many, many times. Yes. So, Jay, I yes. do not suspect that you're going to like this album a whole lot. Huh. And I would like to be proven wrong, but I would like to hear what you think. Because I don't think this hits your sweet spot, this album. Really? Does it hit yours? No, it does not. <laughs> I think that's really the more interesting subject. Um, there are elements that I like about this record. I'm going to say that we're probably not as far off on this album as you may think we are. Oh, okay. 
Um, well, I'd, let me just say a few things first. Um, listen, Make your statement. Listening back, uh, this was an album that I, I kind of knew pretty pretty well. Um, you know, this came out in, like I said, 93. Uh, this is the height of my college radio experience, folks. I mean, we're talking, I'm listening to every damn band that's coming out with every In 93? Yeah, I'm I'm a sophomore in college. Um reviewing You were? I, I was. God, you were in college forever. <laughs> so, we you yeah. sophomore in 93. I went 92 I was a freshman, 92 to 93 and then 93 to 94 I was a sophomore. So this is fall. You didn't graduate till 98? Look, let's not go into my personal history here. I had a few extra years to clean up some messes that I made. <laughs> In my younger years. So this this came out in April of 93. So this came out... Okay, this came out spring semester of freshman year. And it was popular all the way through. You know, we were playing it in the fall as well. So... I knew this album. I did not like the Pets song. Let's just get that out. <laughs> I, I thought that that was a gimmicky song. I didn't like it. I didn't like the video. And I, I kind of like Jane's Addiction. I was never in love with Jane's Addiction. I, I like some of the stuff on Nothing Shocking. Um, I'm not a big fan of Ritual, Dehill Habitulo. Uh, kind of thought it was kind of weird in the sense that some of the songs, like like Been Caught Stealing and Stop, I hate that song. were, were kind of uh, gimmicky. And then they had these, like, zeppelin-esque jam songs like three days that were 11 minutes long and i just i could not i just didn't get into that album the way that some people do some people are like three days is the best song ever not me i did, I, I was much more into like <laughs> had a dad and mountain song and stuff from nothing shocking mm-hmm. so this album so far actually, we're, on the, we're on the same page so this album actually kind of worked for me in the sense that it was shorter songs um they're much more song based in terms of having traditional verses and choruses the, i i like some of the guitar playing on this album i think that peter de stefano does a good job of basically imitating dave navarro on a lot of this stuff in, in the sense of throwing in the wah-wah and having the guitar solos and it's not that much different but at, at some point it's when he inter- but when he when he imitates him, that's when he becomes less interesting. Right, exactly. There's a lot of stuff on here where he does his own thing, and it's way way cooler than when he goes into the Dave Navarro thing. I'll, this is the thing that I picked up on that I didn't get in 1993 when I heard this record, and I I don't know if anybody's gonna agree with me. This is my own, you know, sort of listening to it now and. Hearing, having heard a lot more bands since then, there is a very distinct Gang of Four connection to me with this band. And a lot of it has to do with the melodica that gets played on mm. a lot of these tracks.
started listening back to the era of Gang of Four, which is from the album Songs of the Free. I don't know how familiar you are with Gang of Four, Jay, but the early stuff is really stripped down. It's really raw. It's really dry. It doesn't sound anything like this. But then they started to add some like layered percussion. They started to add chorus to their guitars. They started to add backup singers. Um, this is where you get songs, if you're familiar with Gang of Four, like I Love a Man in Uniform and We Live As We Sleep Alone, or We Dream As We Sleep Alone. Much more um, smoothed out. The, the early Gang of Four is really, really abrasive. You can listen to something like Anthrax, which is three minutes of guitar feedback. You'll know what I mean by abrasive. But I heard a lot of that, like, post-punk, especially in the drum and bass stuff. Now, there's a lot of world music stuff, too, when you layer that percussion on top of it. But when you oh, yeah. when you pull out some of that percussion and just listen to the bass and just listen to the drums, it kind of reminds me of, of the post-punk stuff that, like, Gang of Four and even, like, Talking Heads were doing. Unfortunately, mm. you have Harry Farrell's tendencies to get into jamming and world music and the best songs on here are the most concise the best song on here is cursed female which actually reminded me a lot of angelfish this was almost like the flip side to the track that we both really like on the angelfish record um which that i did the title just left my head what what was the it was the single Will it suffocate me? Yeah, suffocate me. It almost—it almost sounds like the flip side. It has like a um, a driving, grinding bass line, mm-hmm. but there's not much else like that on the record. They don't pull off what they're trying to do on a lot of stuff. I like Porno for Pyros, the actual, the title song, I guess you would say. Porno uh, for Pyros, Porno for Pyros. Yeah, I, I, I think that's interesting. Song. Yeah. I mean, there's some there's some hits and misses, I'll say, on this record. Um, but those are the two highlights for me. Yeah, I mean, I like uh, I like I like Curse Female. I agree, it's probably the best song. Um, I like. Maya, which is before that, and has a I great like guitar solo. Yeah, yeah, and I like. Uh, I actually like Pets now more than I did at the time it came out. So then, I, I guess the best analogy I can make is our comparison. Put it that way, you know, growing up in the 
late seventies and eighties, you know, listen to cla- listen to modern rock and classic rock of that time, you get inundated with a lot of the same thing over and over again. And you tend to sort of tone that stuff out. You don't really want to hear it. Um, and that 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 applies to even you know this era of music. So even the early nineties stuff when I'm in high school, you know, you're sort of like forced to hear some stuff way more than anybody should have to hear it. So. This is one of those songs that MTV and radio just played the living shit out of. To the point where, you know, after the first or second time you heard it, you're like, okay, you never got a chance to appreciate it because it was like within a week you heard it a hundred times and you never want to hear the song again. So going back and revisiting it now is the same reaction I have when I go back and re- revisit a lot of the classic rock stuff that I had to ignore because I was so, so crammed down my throat. I actually have some perspective in it, in it and I haven't heard it in a while so it, it sounds a lot better so that song really sounded fresh to me and, and I could listen to it with with, uh, with new ears um, and it's actually pretty different than some of the other songs on the album in that um, I think lyrically it sounds more inspired it's more interesting um, he sort of takes on sort of takes a unique angle on you know, a subject which sometimes you don't even know what he's singing about, whereas the song, you kind of, you know, you get the gist of it. Uh, it's pretty concise. I think from a guitar standpoint, it's really kind of a cool cool song and and pretty much unlike most of the guitar stuff on the album in that it's it's almost key, it almost sounds like keyboard, like the effects he's using and stuff. It, mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it, it kind of becomes a new instrument, which is kind of neat. And, you know, the bass playing at, at a lot of spots in this album, once again, with the fretless bass, I, I want to reach through the speakers and break this guy's fingers. Um, on this song, he calms down a little bit and just, you know, he carries the melody a little better and plays off the vocal and fits a lot better on this song than he does on, on some of the others. why a song like Chris Female sticks out so much is because he plays a different style of bass part whereas the rest of the album he's like fretless bass and he's popping and yeah. patting and a thousand notes and you're just like dude and there's some points in here where I just I, I couldn't even listen to it he was just killing everything I'm like stop playing so much like, yeah especially God, on um, track 8 which is uh, packing 25 yeah there's just so much funk all over that. It's just like, dude, relax. And I and I think in terms of, you know, you can pull that off to a certain extent. Um, I kind of liked uh, track 10, Blood Rag, in the sense that it reminded me of like early Tool, where Tool would be yeah. all about the bass and drum. And yeah, that, 
Is that the one that has the yeah. riff at the beginning? And then, yeah, that totally sounds like a Tool riff. But it doesn't go anywhere, right? Oh, it it's doesn't like... go anywhere. It's repetitive. And I found out that that was actually a Jane's Addiction song that they just never recorded. That's something they just jammed uh... on. about this album i did find out some interesting stuff this was recorded in la in um the summer of 1992 jay do you remember what the summer of 1992 was uh what do you mean it was the rodney king oh verdict and the riots in la okay a lot of this album is actually influenced lyrically by what was going on at that time. There's a lot of references to violence. Pointer for Pyro's song is actually, it's well, from what I read about what Perry Farrell said, is watching a riot as a form of pornography, like getting off on watching violence. Well, I could see how how uh, how that could have inspired his sort of sentiment for uh, the lyrics on Pat's. Yes, there's definitely a <laughs> sort of a um, angry view and and dismissive view of human beings and their actions which is weird because then the last song in the album is <laughs> unlike anything else on the record track 10 is or 11 is orgasm which starts out with the line sit back and and get yourself relaxed it's basically about a, a guy giving a woman her first orgasm <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable to listen to after i read that <laughs> You know, sex, drug, and rock and roll, that's fine. But my my biggest pet peeve, I think, lyrically with Perry Farrell in general, is he has no ability to make analogies. He writes things, and he writes them as plainly and as simply as possible, lyrically. And whatever he's thinking, if he's talking about a guy with a gun, he's talking about a guy with a gun. Yeah, well, that's why I like... So to me, like a song like Pets works in that format because you take sort of an interesting perspective on things. So then that's the, the only one he does that on. Can kind of work, but yeah, if you're trying to talk about something serious and you don't ever use analogy, it gets kind of ridiculous. Or, or if you sing, if you write a song about sex with absolutely no double entendre or analogy no, or nothing. anything, it's just we're it's just song about sex. <laughs> Thank you. 
Like even Kiss had to had the decency to write yeah. some innuendo into it sometime. Right. I mean, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, when you're direct with it, it just makes it completely creepy. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to get into my issues with Harry Frerell and his creepiness, but um, I did watch the video today for um, the new uh, James Addiction song. Um, is Infinite something. I don't remember what it's called. But, um, yeah, he's sort of a cross between, like, a televangelist and a um, serial killer. <laughs> in my opinion of him he's, he's just weird and creepy and but all backed by some sort of you know super capitalist money making scheme and he used to be kind of androgynous which he isn't anymore no at least as much now he's like wearing like suits and yeah uh, it's very very bizarre person I mean he's old for for not, not he's old I mean I'm, I'm not that far behind him but uh, I didn't realize no, he, he was is, 50. I didn't realize he was that old either I mean that's He's way older than his peers. Let's put it that way. Yes. The, the people that he sort of was in the music scene with, he's probably 10 years older than them. So I, I mentioned that I thought that a lot of these songs were, you know, in the album in general, is a lot more concise. Than it is. Stuff. It, it, I, my fear going into it, I mean, obviously I was familiar with it, but going in and, you know, having to listen to the whole record and, and really get familiar with it, was that it was going to be really long, and I was pleasantly surprised that it, it's really not. I mean, most of these songs, they are very concise, and the jamming moments are pretty brief. My only nitpick with that is that on, like, track one, which is uh, Sadness, um, it kind of sounds like an incomplete song. Like, I was kind of expecting a little bit more. It also has a terrible guitar tone on that record. It sounds like a demo. It sounds... Mm, really? I kind of like the guitar tones. They're they're very different. Like they use a lot of different, a lot of different tones. They do, but on that particular song, I th I thought it sounded especially like 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 it well, needed a it needed a better it needed some compression on it or something. I don't know. Look, he's he's getting out of the way of the bass player a lot, which is unfortunate. Like, and that song is you could just listen to the first song and hear that. Like the the drums are a very like thin sounding um, weirdly tuned drums with tons of extra percussion and stuff but it's not it's very it's not even mid-rangey it's like more high-end all the drum stuff so the bass takes up the entire mid-range and low end of the album and he's playing so much and there's so much percussion going on that the guitar he kind of just for the most part just tries to like add accents and it kind of stays stays out of the music <laughs> in a lot of ways like there's just no room for him there's so much other stuff going on with that freaking bass player that flea had a tendency to, 
to slap it around this, a little this, too much. But... This guy would make flea blush. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Les Claypool's looking at him and going, dude, you need to relax. You know what's funny is that somehow I ended up seeing Stephen Perkins probably at least two, maybe three times live in the 90s. Maybe around this this time, roughly. Maybe a little bit after this. And I'm embarrassed to say what band I saw him with because it's pretty awful. What band was that, Jay? They were called Infectious Grooves. It was kind of a super group of him. Anytime you put groove in the title of your band, you're you're yeah. asking for trouble. There was, and there was nothing infectious about it. Yeah. Um, but for, they were like a super group of him and a bunch of the guys from Suicidal Tendencies, I think. So I think Robert Trulio from Metallica was in the band, and uh, I think the singer Mike Mirror, whatever his name is, from Suicidal, I think he was in the band, and a couple other guys. And they were like this funk metal band that, I guess because they were friends with all the bands from L.A. or whatever, they got on all the metal show tours and opened them all. So I saw them open for Ozzy, I know for sure. I think I saw them open for a couple other bands. And uh, he was the drummer. He's a great drummer, but sometimes he's not my cup of tea. Yeah. But I, I do appreciate what he does. So one thing I wanted to say, now that you you sort of went through who you thought they sounded like. The one thing I could definitely thought about when I was listening to the record and that was odd for me is I couldn't come up with any references of where they were coming from. Um, I'm, I'm sort of familiar with Gang of Four, obviously not as familiar as you are, and I, I'm not that familiar with Talking Heads, so that makes sense. But listen to this album, you know, for me, it's so funk and world music influenced, and Perry Farrell's voice is so different. Mm-hmm that it was like listening to aliens <laughs> for me like it's it's so so bizarre and so many levels uh and so far away from what i normally can can relate to that uh it was definitely like listening to aliens it's funny that you say that because over the weekend uh we drove to buffalo and um we were listening to sirius and i put on faction which i never do it's like the hard rock you know, metal channel, and um, I was just flipping around, and there was a, a Tool song um, from the first album, uh, Prison Sex, and I had not heard that song probably since the mid-90s, and I remember listening to it, and just listening to the bass tone, and the guitar, and the drums, and I was thinking, like, this sounded so weird back then, like, mm-hmm. had no idea where that band was coming from when I when I first heard them, and I, I heard them when they put out that first EP, Opiate, and I remember being like kind of weirded out, like, who are these guys? What is this weird music that they're playing? And yeah. I never really had that experience with, with anybody else. Um, but Tool always seemed like so like otherworldly when it came to what they were doing musically and their and just the way that they you know sounded vocally and, and what the bass and the drums were doing and I kinda get you know, Jane's Addiction always felt like kind of a combination of like Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin mixed with like psychedelic uh, influences, and they seemed more grounded. But yeah, you're right. Porno for Pyros kind of sounds like this mishmash of a lot of different things, but nothing really clearly stands out. 
So, I mean, the guitar tone is probably the most familiar thing on it for me. Like the drums are just like no other drums I've heard of them. Um, and the bass is just, you know, I guess it's funk bass, but you know, the playing is just, I don't know. The combination of the things is so different. And again, his vocal and the way that was one of the, one thing that I paid attention to a lot on this album was his vocal and trying to figure out how it's produced. I've always been fascinated by how much of it is really his voice and how much of it is effects and doubling and reverb, chorus and reverb and yeah. And it's really interesting if you really just focus in on his voice, especially in this album because there's some more space to be able to hear it. Whereas the Jane's Addiction stuff, it's so at times. It's thick it's difficult to to really hear the nuances of his voice but on this album it's so you know the production's crystal clear and, the, and everything's pretty separated and uh you can really hone in on it and there's times when you know it really sounds like it's just one voice and then there's other times where you can tell there isn't but you can't quite pick up what the parts are it's almost like he does like a he does a harmony to himself but it's so tight that you can't even discern the the two voices or three voices or however many are in there that's on pets i noticed that on pets yeah it's crazy because it's like he does it on everything he does like that's his patented technique but nobody's really ever at least you know nobody significant or somebody i can that really pops to my mind has ever really replicated or has that that sound it's no. very very different yeah well i guess guess we both have things that we like and dislike for the most part those are kind of the same um i'm in, I, I am interested to kind of go back and hear god's good urge or good god's urge because it actually has a higher rating on all music than this album does mm-hmm. i wanted to kind of hear i don't remember any of the songs from that album i remember the first single uh i can't remember the name of it but it's pretty driving um, you know, it's pre- it's up tempo. It's a little bit more straightforward. Um, did you say that Mike Watt played bass on that, or on some of the songs? Yeah, the Martin Lenoble quit while they were recording it, so he finished uh, recording on that album, and then he toured with them. Yeah, so it has a little different feel to it for sure. Though, at least the single that I remember. Yeah. And that Hard Charger song from the Howard Stern soundtrack is a pretty like straightforward rock song too. So I don't even know if that's on the album or not. I don't think it is. I think it was done for me. Gotcha. And I, I wrote down like the last note I made after talking to you about it. I feel pretty good about it. Is that it'd probably be pretty decent music to put on a, as background at a party because <laughs> it has some moments where it'll sort of like it's interesting and it's kind of a conversation piece. <laughs> but there's also long spans where it'll get out of the way and you could talk over it. without much problem well one of the reviews on amazon was like i love to listen to this album when i want to go to bed like i don't think that that's a good good endorsement or when you you know i found myself enjoying it when i if i would listen to it while i worked but if i put it on the car and said okay i'm gonna listen to this album now when i drive home i was way less into it but if i listened to it when i was working like i would kind of fade out and then things would kind of pull my interest and cushion would move you along Huh? The percussion would like move you along and keep you keep you. If it, it, well, no, it just fills the space. It's like party music. It's the same thing. Oh, they're definitely filling a lot of space. Yeah, they're just filling the space at times, and you know, it's sort of it's interesting, but it doesn't really do much for me. 
think that's a good way to, to end this episode. It's not offensive. No, it's not offensive, but it's not good. Either. See, we were more we were more together on this. No, no, no I I thought we were going to be on the same page. I just didn't know how far. I didn't know how low you were going to go. Okay. I didn't know if this was going to be a complete thumbs down or if you're going to kind of be in the middle, like oscillating. So that's what I, that was my only concern. I I didn't think this was going to be a Sons of Elvis teardown. But you didn't think I was gonna. You, you thought I might like Sons of Elvis. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that was that was a complete uh, mistake on my part. I'm so offended that you thought I would like that. I'm still trying to get over <laughs> how badly I screwed that up. Um, hopefully, there's always next I'll, episode. I'll make it. Yep, there's always next episode, and we hope that you will join us on our next episode, where we'll be reviewing another band most likely some listener suggestions coming up so we've got a lot of them and if you would like to send us a suggestion just hit us up at digmeoutpodcast at gmail.com we've gotten a lot of suggestions recently jay and we are booked clear into the first quarter of 2012 with suggestions so get them in before the apocalypse is that you mean the 2012 election yes that too all right, that's it for Porno for Pyros. Porno for Pyros, Porno for Pyros. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. feedback join the conversation about this episode visit digmeoutpodcast.com for links to our facebook page and twitter feed Hello. Into the fire. I'm falling. Into the fire. What is that? Talking.